Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I hope you're all doing well out there and only a few days away till Christmas. Or, if you don't celebrate it, only a few days away to a relatively quiet weekend. It's not going to be quite what we wanted this year, but come on, we're all made of stronger stuff than this. We've been going through a really shit year and and we can put aside two days out of our lifetime and just use it as a big black line to draw under 2020 and look forward to 2021 it can't it can't be much worse than 2020 right but anyway back to podcast world firstly i'd like to give a big thank you to all our new patreon supporters thank you guys what you're doing really does make a difference and you can help support the podcast too for as for as little as three pound which is pretty much just a cup of coffee per month we've been self-funded since day one and it is making it quite difficult to grow so if you can spare at least £3 a month, that really would be great. And if you can't, that's cool. Don't feel obliged. This week, I'm taking you to meet a street artist who I've wanted on the show since the very first moment I saw his work. I walked around a corner from Brick Lane and bang in front of me was an enormous, highly detailed, spray-painted portrait of an indigenous tribesman. And it's none other than Mr. Dal Grimshaw. The amazing thing about Dale's portraits, and we touch on it in the podcast, is although their scale is enormous, they don't come across as intimidating. They're sort of calming and almost friendly. But I won't try and explain too much about them myself because, well, Dale can do a far better job of that than I ever could. Reading just a little excerpt from Dale's biography, 
More recently, he has been devoting time to street murals and has been widely recognised as one of the most powerful and talented of street artists on the scene. Over the past five years, he has been invited to festivals nationally and internationally, as well as painting many iconic walls across London where he lives. Dale's work is boldly figurative and is inspired by his strongly held humanitarian beliefs. However, this political message is always achieved by an emphasis on powerful direct emotions and a deep empathy for his subjects. Dale continues to support the work of the Free West Papua campaign, which is opposed to the illegal occupation of West Papua in Indonesia. This is another podcast that was recorded over Zoom using their own software, so the quality is not quite what you'd expect, but the content always is. And if we speak of a few references that seem a little bit out of date, this podcast was recorded quite a while ago. But anyway, come with me and meet Mr. Dale Grimshaw. Dale, I've got seven questions that I ask each artist. The first being is, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Oh, Christ. Uh, Well, I kind of do it drunkenly in social situations anyway. I'll give you the response rather than it's normally like, oh, that's interesting. And oh, do you make money out of that? And are you Banksy? Um, They're normally the crap responses (laughs) I get. Um, A white wine facial. Shut up. Um, I I just describe myself as a painter, really, but because. Um, of my homemade tattoos, and I'm normally a bit drunk. People presume I'm a, a, I'm kind of more into the painting and decorating arena, which I have to correct them. So I love the word painter, but um, I often have to say artist. I'm an artist. Yeah. So yeah, because it confuses people. They, you know, it, it it throws them off. But yeah, I'm just a figurative painter, and people normally say, "Well, what, what's what do you mean a figurative painter?" I say, "Well, I." I do oil paintings and square paintings of human beings and the whole work is based around kind of the human form and people and emotions and um, and then they just get even more confused. Exactly. Even more patronising. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Yeah. Lovely to speak to you. <laughs> and do you um, think, yeah, I'm because a of your accent, do you think that that throws them off a little bit? Yeah, it does. People do make a lot of assumptions. I mean, we do it over time, don't yeah, we? I, I mean, yeah, we, we all do it. And I think it, sometimes it borders on prejudice in a way, you know. Um, it really it does, the way we view is. other people, whether it's our accents, our skin colour, our hair and things. And it's sad that people do it, but I have had it all my life. And yeah. um, and I think, and I've done it to other people and I've felt really ashamed at times when I've, made assumptions about people and about their education of a job and things based on the way they look because I don't really like it myself so sometimes I'm fighting that battle really you know when people ask me I've um yeah I don't know what I don't really know what people expect me to do but they never expect me to say I'm an artist I think it's the last thing uh, so that tends to, be, to throw people off a bit to be fair I suppose all of our preconceived ideas are only through what we've experienced in life, isn't it? And exactly, you know, yeah. First impressions, you see, you know, a guy with a, a, a northern accent or a southern accent, a Cockney accent, yeah. a, yeah, a, a yeah. scarce accent. You sort of put them in your box, and then that box sort of widens as you speak to them, doesn't it? Exactly. And as the wine goes down, hopefully it becomes a bit more of a colourful 
friendly or wider box. But yeah, it's a shame sometimes you do feel. Well, it's nice if people know your work as well. I mean, I've had like um, kind of um, people come to fix like, you know, the utility, whether it's the, I can't remember the specifics, the boiler or the dishwasher. They're kind of looking at paintings on the living room wall, which you can't see. Well, there's actually a guy denning Yeah, I could here, see but, you. Um, you know, when they see you, mate, we used to pet and we start chatting about, oh, it's, and then they asked me what I do. And then I said, oh, pet. And I literally had one guy said, I've just driven past one of your mules. <laughs> in, like, I think it was in Camden. So it's really nice when you yeah. make that, because that's what I love about the street art. You know, it kind of, it just cuts away all the nonsense. Pulls down the barriers. Yeah, on a wet Thursday morning or a wet Friday afternoon in this case. You know, it shoots through all the bullshit. And I've literally had that. People went, oh, God, oh, I think I had another time where somebody had, had checked up to about art and then they had to come back. And in that interim period, they went, oh, God, God, now you've mentioned it. I've been, you know. Thank so you. it was, <laughs> I was at college with somebody who was quite famous and I didn't know a famous singer. And I didn't really get on with her. I thought she was a bit of a snooty cow. But I met this guy and he said, oh, it's, you know, Alison's doing really, really well now. And I said, well, I don't know who she is and things. And then once he mentioned the band name, I saw posters everywhere on the tubes. It was almost like it became part yeah. of, like, I entered another dimension. And I think that can sometimes happen. Once you, you mention it, people become very aware of, you know, the subject and ideas, and especially with my current work, because it's quite colourful and it's... Yeah quite in your face so it's nice when ordinary people kind of go oh god i've seen that mate yeah. so i was like yeah right buy your print now, you bastard <laughs> you what, when was your first interest in art Dale? um was there art at home yeah not a, i'm not from an arty background i mean my grandson she was quite eccentric and kind of um, patronising types of colour eccentric, but my dad was a builder. There was nobody really directly interested in art. And I don't really know how I got into it, but I just, we had some, it's funny because on Facebook, I'm just going to post a photograph of me on location of um, a John Constable painting. And it's a famous one called The Hairwing, and it was based in... Um, in, well, maybe not Suffolk, maybe, maybe the borders of Cambridge. And I went and I, I, that image is ingrained in my mind because like a lot of council houses and things had prints of, of yeah. um, you know, Constable. There was the hairway and the cornfield. So I kind of, with my introduction to a lot of painting was a lot of British painters like that. And um, so it's really amazing. The other week I was on holiday and... Um, I went to see it, but to answer your question, yeah, that was for some of my earliest interest in, in art, but um, music record covers, you know, punk record covers, and um, there was looking back, I didn't realise at the time, but there was a lot of really exciting stuff like woodcut prints and paintings, early Adam and the Ants, the kind of double exposure photography where everybody looked like they were doing that on a slow aperture and um so i was exposed to a lot of things like creatively and a lot of medieval history uh, book illustrations what i found really exciting as well and that kind of which fits in with the tribal thing that so it was that and i would paint i don't know really i just like making a mess and i think i i kind of gravitated towards paint and um but yeah I, it, it 
I used to have to steal them. I became quite a good shoplifter because <laughs> we didn't really have any money and I didn't really understand about acrylic paint and oil paint. Yeah. It didn't really mean if it looked nice on the tube, I put it in my school bag. But I was quite, I was kind of quite, um, I don't know, describe, I seemed quite shy. I was a very smiley kid and probably quite effeminate and chatty. And I think it disarmed people. They said, oh, look at this sweet little boy. But they didn't realise I was this like chronic rampant <laughs> shoplifter. But it gave me the opportunity to experiment. And, yeah. like, I mean, no kids from my background were painting in oil paints at kind of 11 years old. But it, it did. I know, I know I will burn in hell for my crimes against... Um, you know, the uh, shop industry, but it did, to answer your question, it did allow me, it was a bit of a gateway into to being able to experiment with paints and things. And like I said, I used to mix the acrylic paint and the oil paints up and kind of thing, which is happening out. a lot on the urban art scene now, the graffiti scene, everybody's playing with everything and mixing old spray paint and old kind of layering things up. So I was ahead of my time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, was... it just came through naivety. But, um, and I would copy things out of books as well. I really liked a lot of good, like still lives. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was a weird hybrid of punk covers, medieval history books and my mum's kind of prints of, of Constable on the wall, and then seeing punk graffiti as well, the Stranglers and the Damned and things, and um, as it's well documented, as I said before, you know, stuff. seeing like punk band names and things, or kind of Debbie is a Slut by Tina B and all that, yeah. and it, it was all just a melting pot of kind of creativity, and um, so yeah, yeah, it just merged in I don't know really how I, I ended up where I am but um, so was there not many people from your school that went on to to doing a like a foundation or I don't think so no I mean there was a couple of guys who were kind of from they were kind of better looking and better drawers and from nicer backgrounds but I don't I'd have to look at them up on Facebook I can't imagine they did but I mean for me it was a lifeline you know it, it literally saved my life did you know? I yeah. Um, I know when I say that to people, they, they kind of go, oh, what a cliche, but without going into grisly details, you know, I was quite unhappy as a teenager and um, and kind of lucky still to be here, really, to be blunt about it. So I feel kind of, oh, it was one of those things that really, like, anchored me down when things were really bad and, I, you know, it could have ended quite badly for me. Um it was one of those things that always was like a relationship. It was like a family member that always kept an eye on me. Yeah. So it's kind of, I feel, yeah, there's this kind of, yeah, it's just the only kind of solid, consistent thing that's gone through my life in a way. Well, it can be like a heavy drug belt art, can't it? Because it, it is a, it can make you escape from your situation. Yeah, it can. It can also be you know? stressful, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, in those days, it wasn't stressful. I find it a bit more... You know, in the middle of, I don't know, doing a mural in the boring rain and you're hung over or you feel ill and you've got a plane to catch and a couple of, you know, it can be quite yeah. stressful. But in the early days, as you say, to, to reiterate, it, it, it was a form of escapism and it's kind of lovely. But, and I know a lot of people have been doing art during lockdown and I think it's been really good for people just, yeah. um, well, I hope they've been paying for the right materials, but I know I've been chatting to people <laughs> kind of, a lot of people have been really enjoying it and it's caused a lot of, there has been a lot of problems with lockdown. I think it's taken the lid off a lot of our 
kind yeah. of mental health problems for the use of a better term and it's nice that people have been kind of self-medicating through art in a way and yeah. um, it is a bit of a lifeline and it has for me but I didn't know when I started in the early days when I was like 10, 9, 10, 11 I didn't realize how important it was going to be and that it was actually going to be a lifesaver for me through my yeah. life but um yeah, does that answer well, your question? It, it very much does. Well, I'm in the same boat as you, using that cliche often, because I, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I got into art in prison. Like, oh, I was, right, no, I didn't. I, yeah, I was doing a 14 year prison sentence for drugs. Oh, and, um, right. And then I just fell what, into taking art. Taking them or selling them? Uh, importing them. Yeah, oh, right, okay. Um, and I just fell into art. It was nothing that yeah. I'd ever thought of. You know, I've never yeah. been creative or I'd always been creative, but I hadn't really created anything. You know, I had a creative yeah, mind, but yeah. I never put it into practice. Then I've, yeah. I've done an art class, fell in love with art. And I ended up writing to like, you know, like Sarah Lucas, Tracy Emin. Oh, Abby God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they was all writing to me while I was in prison, you know. Oh, that, brilliant. And this yeah. was back in like 96. When they yeah, yeah, that period where perish. they were really big. Yeah. yeah. Sarah so, Lucas, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, blimey, I didn't realise that, yeah so, yeah. so so you've had a similar experience to me where, so. you know, you, you're in a tight situation, kind of creativity has come along. And, 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 and it, it give me a 180 degree turn to my life. And what I've always yeah. said, I mean, I've got, obviously biased, but I've got, like, great children. They're, they're loving, they're kind, they're, they're nice kids. Yeah. They wouldn't have been like that before because I wasn't like this before. I wasn't the person you're talking to now. I was one of those fug arseholes who, you know, I was always getting into tear-ups. I was a minder, a bouncer, a debt collector. Oh, shit. Yeah, all that sort of shit, you know. And you've done your foundation in Blackburn. Yeah. And then you've done your degree in um, University of Middlesex. How was that move? Or why was that move? What, the jump geographically? Yeah. Yeah. To, to, um, oh, right. Well, I'd always wanted to come to London again. You know, it's well documented. I was fascinated with kind of the 70s punk scene and the stuff that was, I was seeing through Top of the Pops and kind of, you know, the kind of punk scene or the post-punk or new romantic, that whole kind of late 70s, early 80s or mid-80s thing. So I was very aware of London anyway. It was like kind of you know it was like the destination for me because a lot of what I was kind of listening to and reading about and things would would talk about you know the King's Road or St Martin's College of Art so I was kind of quite aware of all these very famous kind of monumental art institutions or places or hangouts or music venues when I was quite young so it was it was yeah so I kind of I don't know, but I did graphic design at first because I thought, you know, I was a good old working class lad. I was like, I'd better do something very kind of yeah, a trade, a job. Yeah, it was like that bullshit. But I really wasn't really for me. I was quite messy and stuff, and I was always fucking things up. And you know, you'd have by that those days, you know, you would do all the like the um, the font by hand with like these watering pens, and oh god, I'd always. I'd always end up with like ink in my face or on my spikes. So it was everywhere. So I, I clearly wasn't really made for that pristine thing. And really, the turning, I mean, I was still painting and things. And I was, I'd, I'd been drawing and painting, obviously, as I'd said. And I was doing quite a few punk jackets and things. And people would say, oh, you know, could you, could you paint this or can you paint that? So 
there was a bit of a kind of um, a business, you know, the little small echoing of the business idea there that I was kind of doing this kind of commercial stuff, but it was still giving me an opportunity to be quite painterly. But it was only really the turning point was when my mum died. And I think I'd just finished graphic design. I was about 18, 17. And, and then mum died and it, it really threw things off for me. And... Um, and I think with hindsight, it, it, I think looking, it's only recently, because I've gone into psychotherapy recently, um, and it's only too recently that I've realised really I was, it was not just about pursuing the art, I think I was just escaping, I really didn't know how to deal with it. I had nobody to talk to because being surrounded by northern teenagers like me, I mean, I just had to deal with this monumental grieving and this loss and this, you know, this trying to, get some grasp of what was got, had happened and, um, to my mum. And I think I just fled in a way. I just thought, yeah. well, you know, London's the place to be. And I just kind of packed up because I, I was in Kerr, you see, and I'd left Kerr and then about within about a couple of years, a year and a half, mum had died. And it just totally flipped me, I think. But at the time, I, I had it in my head. I'd always decided I was going to leave. But I think it just... It was just that really kind of aggressive, like, push yeah. that really shoved me out of Lancashire. And, yeah, it just, so I started applying for colleges and things. And I was like, go to St. Martin's. And I was, I had the day trip, you know, I, it was typical me. I spiked my hair. I went, got on the train at, at Blackburn. I think I had to change. And I went straight for the first class and I put my feet on the seats and, this guy was, you know, he was making assumptions because I'm a 15-inch spider. So he kicked me out of the first class. So I was like, you fucking arsehole. So I got to London. I was looking around all the colleges and there was all like St. Martins and Chelsea. And they just seemed really stuck up. I just yeah. thought, Christ, you know, I can't, I can't really imagine me fitting in here, you know. And um, and then I got the tube up to Wood Green in North London and, and it, I lived. And um, and there was a lot. I was looking at my Middlesex, and then there was some lass with kind of some crusty punk lass, like drinking special bridge, you know, like the big fucked up dreadlocks. And she was like making some sculpture, and she sat on this chair drinking special bridge. And I was like, this is the place for me. <laughs> so it was a bit like that. I could just see there were all kinds of people, yeah. but it, I joke about it, but I could just see it was the kind of place people. You could kind of get on with it and be yeah. yourself, and and it wasn't too kind of precious, and and I couldn't be doing with that. So it was kind of, um, and I was really pleased. I got in and and um, I got a place. So I was really chuffed with that. But I don't think I'd have lasted. One <laughs> um, yeah. When was it probably... you realised you wanted to be an artist? Well, when I was young, people would ask me when I was a kid what I want to be, and I'd say stupid. I didn't really know about artists, so I I did this term, oh, an art student. So I'd say things. I think my three main things were um, one was an archaeologist because I loved a lot of history and the idea of time and layering, and um, and interested in in the dark ages, the feudal period. So I'd have a say an archaeologist, a serial killer, or an art student. There was something because I was reading a lot. I was sneaking a lot of books about the occult and kind of serial killers and weird. I was quite a weird child. I'm, I'm lucky to be as normal as I am. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, but then it dawned I'll on me. The we judge are serial of that. Killers. You are, sorry? 
I said, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it, it, it kind of oscillated between, yeah, digging up Saxon helmets and, and painting on bus stops or painting on canvases. So. But, yeah, I think, I think I was a child that knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I was never really going to fit in with your everyday run of the mill. It, it, it was pretty obvious from a young age. And I'm quite proud of that now. But when I was younger, like I said, just living up north in Accrington, it, it felt... Um, I know a lot of people say that like, you don't feel like you fit in and things. But it, it is a horrible feeling when on almost like every level of your life, you, do, you just don't feel sometimes yeah. you, you're communicating and fitting in. And it is a cliche, but it's... But now with hindsight, I'm kind of pleased there's a bit of punk rock about that. I just think, well, I did my own thing, you know. I was never going to be one of those really cool kids that were, yeah. like, really cool. Yeah. And kind of, I just did my own thing. I just thought, oh, fuck it. And I think I had a bit of that from a young age. So I, I'm kind of proud of that now. But, you know, being the black, you know, the black sheep of the family, is a, there's a bit of hype involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you will know very well known for your portraits of indigenous folk yeah. from, you know, from, from all around the world. When did that theme start entering your artwork? Well, like I said, when I was a kid, I was quite fascinated. I was collecting, doing a lot of drawings from books, a lot of European medieval kind of battle gear or ceremonial gear. Um, a lot of Native American imagery. I draw a lot of Native American kind of shields and anything really. And then it fitted in with what was going on musically with, you know, Bow Wow Wow and Adam in the Axe. There was that whole cultural appropriation in a way coming in. But hey, I was I was 10, you know, I was yeah. like, I was laughing it up. So there was always, I loved all that reference to that organic kind of very uh, tribal approach to fashion, which comes back to the punk look as well, you know, and, and the way I look. So it was always there, that appreciation of, uh, of, of that, um, you know, kind of a more primitive, organic um, approach to costume and dress. Um, so, yeah, it's been there all along. I know it's really pretentious when people say, I've had the idea for 40 years now. And oh, you just no, say, well, oh, fuck so. off. Yeah, but, you know, it has always been there with me. It's with the music as well, you know, I liked a lot of that kind of imagery with music. So it is something that's always been there. But I, I, I first really started painting myself. I was kind of daubing myself with face paint and I'd take photographs and things. And um, and then I was doing paintings from that. So initially, but then it, it morphed more back into some of the imagery and the ideas I had when I was younger. And... Um, I just feel it all goes hand in hand there, you know, it's, yeah. the world is such a small place, you know, the tattooing, because you remember as well, there was a time where there was only certain small groups of people that had tattoos, yeah, it might definitely. have been criminals or punks or yeah. bikers, as well now it's weird seeing like posh middle class kids with like sailor tattoos, but, yeah. you know, my dad, my dad ran away and went, you know, probably impregnated a few girls as well and lived on the fair when he was 17, came back with loads of like cliched kind of, yeah. do you know what I mean? Sailor yeah, yeah, tattoos. Yeah. The but it's weird. Skull. It's, yeah, it's weird for us to see people with these tattoos on their necks and things. And so, it, but it's interesting at the same time how all that body modification has all 
whatever you want to call it. It's all gone round and round now, hasn't yeah. it? So yeah. it's kind of nice to see in a way, but it does make me feel a bit old as well when I see. I used to get beaten up for looking like that, but it's, yeah. so it's a double-edged sword in a way. It's... When was it you started taking your portraits from the canvas onto a brick wall? Um, well, I was doing pastels, probably about five, about six, seven years ago, actually. Yeah. yeah, I keep thinking it's 2020. In my head, it's about. 2017 <laughs> but before that I was doing a lot of woodcuts and things you know I was doing like woodcut prints um so I was doing them on the streets but and I'd, I you know as, as you know yourself you know we kind of um that whole tagging term didn't really exist you know yeah back in the day it wasn't a term that was used but so you know I stopped the, the scribbling on you know writing my my name on bus stops a long time ago but I have always been somebody who's kind of kept my finger in and, and I've never really been able to walk past wet concrete without kind of... Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just that even now, you know, I still um, I still do it. It's just in me. But in terms to answer your question, I mean, probably about, yeah, six, seven years ago, but I was doing, you know, my woodcut stuff. But as the scene was emerging, everything was getting bigger and bit walls were getting bigger. And I was seeing pictures of like, you know, 20 story kind of skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah. So my little woodcut prints were getting blown out of the water because it's funny. I, I would get like MDF from like home base. And, you know, I'd be doing for woodcut prints, they were quite big, you know, two, you know, three meters by two meters. That's a lot of wow. cutting in wood. Yeah. So I got to the print studio in Hackney and there'd be some Japanese lass had come up. She'd have a little line <laughs> And I'd, I'd literally carry these big boards on my head. They'd think I was fucking mad. Because um, so, to them it was, you know, yeah. if you were on the street, I'd say you were very aware of people like Swoon and from America. And that was really exciting. And El Borto and a lot of those people that were mixing up different you yeah. know woodcut liner cut printed so yeah it was bizarre going to the studio carrying my my mdf sheets that i spent a month carving so originally it was that but then the murals got bigger and bigger and i realized i needed to turn my mic up and turn my amp up yeah. and uh, so yeah but um so yeah it was just translating a lot of the painting skills um that I do in the studio to, to, to the wall. It took me a bit of adjusting, really, to do the more kind of final approach. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I remember like... when I first saw one of yours, I can't remember which one it was, but it's probably about maybe three years ago, four years ago, yeah. uh, whenever. And yeah, it yeah. was literally one of those where you walk around the street and then all of a sudden it's you're next to it and you're like, yeah, yeah. hell. It's, I know yeah. that's what I love. Yeah, <clears throat> that's um, what I love. I love that idea that because I love it when it happens to me. Yeah. Because as you get older, you know, you kind of become a. Be honest, you get a bit jaded, and you kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You just see. But I like it that people just trotting down, they're trotting down to buy some whatever you know, some makeup from Harrods as we do, and then you're just <laughs> like, what the fuck? You exactly. Know? And I kind of like that culture clash in a way that those big eyes and. And the, the, the kind of dramatic face paint. Yeah, and it, a lot of people me, write to me and things and say this. It made me sort of cross over the road as well, you know, because yeah. so, you can't see anything 
next to you? Can you like, you know, free? Yeah, no, no, no. So I mean, the over. eyes are kind of, you know, that thing. <coughs> well, that's that's yeah, the thing. I quite like that. That's the thing that draws you in is that yeah. the eyes, they are just looking straight at you, and it's you who has to avert your gaze. You know. Yeah, I like that. I mean, my last one I painted, it was one of the first ones I'd done where the eyes were looking away, and it doesn't really have the impact that those that we're talking. It's a shame, really. Um, but people do, yeah, the the those eyes do kind of stop you in your tracks. It's a shame, really. Um, I tried something different, but it it, it kind of di- It does dilute the power of them. Well, I think um, it's, it's, it's exactly that, what you just said. It's, there is a, a power struggle between the viewer and yeah. one of your artworks, and your artworks will always win because yeah, yeah. they're not looking away. You know, it's, yeah. it, it is that, that struggle that you're always going to lose. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. And we're the yeah. ones who walk away, you know. Who's going to blink first? You or the mural? And it's, um, I mean, I did, I did nick a little bit of text off of your, off of your site, and it, it does say that um, if I can read it out quite badly, Daryl's work is boldly figurative and is inspired by his strongly held humanitarian beliefs. However, yes. this political message is always achieved by an emphasis on power, direct emotions, and deep empathy for his subject. And yeah, that. I'm not sure I've seen anything as accurate in an artist's statement yeah. before. It, 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 I didn't write that. I, I stole that off somebody else. <laughs> I stole it. Yeah. But whoever's... No, I think it's good. I think I'm better when I think I'm better in written form, in, in real life form. <laughs> I'm with you I'm there. I'm kind of, uh, you need to get the editing uh, thing out and edit me out, but... Yeah, I think it's right, and that's what I tried to achieve. But it was funny at my opening the other day. I had the, an opening for my show, and the, hang on, just cat alert here. There is a cat on the scene. So. <laughs> they do like yeah. to join in, don't they? Yeah, they do. The I love it that they do because um, the Burmese, she's a Burmese girl, and they're all. If there's a camera of any kind, they look, they, they think they're kind of like the Naomi Campbell of the, the feline <laughs> world. So she's. Um, She'll be involved. Hopefully she doesn't jump at the camera, but she looks really glamorous and sophisticated, but she does act a bit like a cracker coy thief at times and goes a bit crazy, so bear with me. But yeah, it was funny at my opening, um, because, you know, I like that thing where sometimes I use the like eyes, because I collage the, the faces together, but I like using you know, the pupils and the retina where you can see the photographer sometimes yeah. in the reflection. But obviously, if you're the viewer, the, you know, it's actually you. And one of the paintings, I put three people in and somebody said to me, like, what the fuck's going on? It's really freaked me out. <laughs> and I said to them, you know, they're, you're in the middle, but the, the two on either side are the spirits of your, your relatives that have passed over, but you can't see them, but the viewer can. And they were like, <laughs> no, it's funny because I've been watching videos about clairvoyance and psychic mediums, and they're always talking about, yeah, you know, oh, you've got your grandma with you. So when I was talking about this, I said, you know, it's just, just the people from the spirit world just, um, yeah, to come to scare the hell out of you. You can't see them. But it, jokes aside, it is, you know, I love the idea that it, 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 it's a bit like when you see the Mona Lisa as well. I don't know if you've seen it at the Louvre. And 
the eyes really do follow you around, you know, and I, I kind of like that idea that they lock into you. And like you said, you've got to, you've got to be the first to back down in a way because I think it can be easy I'm not saying all of them but I think it can be easy to be a bit sentimental as well and a bit with you know like hungry black child cliche and I don't really want that I want as I've said before I want the murals not all I don't capture it with all of them but you know I like that defiance and uh, sorry the the cat's using the spider pan as she looks yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. doing the bot, you know, on the... Well, I like the idea that normally it is the white man invading their territory. Yes, Whereas yes, exactly. this time, it is definitely the other way around. Yeah, they are intimidating yeah, yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never really thought about it, yeah, yeah. No, it's quite an interesting take on it. I mean, I've been very aware of... of, of kind of like that extraction in a way where you take a person or people imagery and then put it out of context but you're right yeah we've well that's the whole point we've done a lot of fucking up haven't we you know in the world and we've caused a lot of problems with homo sapiens and with animals we've messed up the balance of things and by going over and oh got a cat being very unladylike here yeah. do you mind um that's a bit weird. She's she's jumped really high onto because I've got these big glass. Yeah. She could she may land on my head. Just you ring the ambulance know. if I go off screen and you yeah ring the ambulance. I'm saying that. But about... yeah, you're right. I like that idea that you know they're they're quite dominant and um... saying that about taking people out of their environment and putting them into ours. Yeah. Um, uh, the other week I was um, doing one of these with a guy called Lal Owerko. He's the guy who captured the um, explosion in one of the Twin Towers, the famous photograph. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, so he's the one who caught that. And he was saying he'd done a project just before the Twin Towers happened. Yeah. But he was doing something with this um, tribe in Africa. And because oh, of right. that, they got brought into New York. And they brought three of these tribesmen over in, in their you know, in their full garb. And he said it was funny that they were staying with him in yeah. his New York apartment. And he's like, you know, he's, he's like, I've only got this small bed, you know, spare bedroom. They've pushed all the beds apart and they were sleeping on the floor because they couldn't do the yeah, mattress yeah. thing, you know. No, they freed them out, yeah. yeah. He said, um, escalators, that done their, that done their mind. No, they you know? freed them out, yeah. He said, but yeah. when they saw people on travelators, like, why aren't they just walking? <laughs> How yeah, lazy do yeah. you have to be? He said, but the thing that made them laugh the most was, um, he said, we were like, walking through New York. I don't know whereabouts it was in New York. He said, but they yeah. saw a big guy walking along with like a chihuahua or a, you know, a yeah, Yorkshire yeah. terrier. He said, they saw this big guy walking along with this little dog. He said, yeah. and just all three of them just burst out laughing yeah. and pointing <laughs> at this guy, you know. Funny but how, I love you know, these, I love these stories where you know people do have very different experiences and um yeah we're quite disconnected from um from our you know kind of our um with nature really i just feel that's one of the problems as well we just seem so kind of um yeah disconnected i find it quite worrying yeah i've been doing a lot of greenery in the paintings and my if i could spin the camera there's 
there's green everywhere. There's a massive plant over there, just whatever it is, 15, I don't know. You know, I kind of like it. I like being, because I just feel, we, especially in London, it's quite easily to be kind of... Whoa. <laughs> well, there's your cat. I heard it. I, yeah. What was I saying? <laughs> I thought she was going to hit me. I wouldn't be doing any more supermodeling with Naomi. Where were we anyway? That was a total uh, distraction. Um, How do you relax, Dale? Oh, that's a good question. Um, if you ask my psychotherapist, she would say I'm never relaxed. Um, yeah, relaxing's a good word. I don't know. I'm quite a home bird. I like being at home, and I, I love onesies. You know, because I kind of I used to wear a lot of um, oh, what did I call them? The boiler suits. I yeah, used to wear really yeah. like boiler suits and stuff, and um, with my boots and things. So it, it's nice. I like getting in my onesie. I've got like a granny blanket as well, and um, I just love being on the sofa in my onesie and my granny blanket. See, there's there's a lot to be said for being older. You know, I quite you end up doing all the things you don't want to do when you're fourteen. You know, like uh, steel cars and glue sniff. Now I like hanging out in my electric blue onesie under my blanket. But it's over. Sorry, I'm just on cat alert. She's she's working up to another attack, I think. But, um, yeah, so, but relax is an interesting one. Yeah, because I've been having this psychotherapy. I know there's Brit science supposed to talk about this, but it's one, one of the problems, really, that we're not fucking talking about. You know, um kind of our mental health or anxiety or and things so she would probably argue that I'm the kind of person I'm never really relaxed and I would probably agree with it because it's made sense of late I'm one of those people I really have trouble sleeping um stop it I have trouble sleeping and the way she described it was really interesting they call it emotion regular so when I wake up Maisie stop it please um yeah, so I wake up and she's really explained it and made me feel normal because I kind of wake up in a very heightened state. And it's they call it emotion regulate, where you really like, it's almost like you're on speed. I did it last night. I was up at 10 past four and I'm just like, Zzz. so you're on because of my childhood and things that it, it, it puts you on a different level. Yeah. So it's an interesting word, the I word. So to answer your question, finally, you thought, you thought I'd forgot, but I've been doing a little bit of like hypnotherapy, listening to hypnotherapy tapes. I actually had hypnotherapy for sleep. And I actually find that's good as well because it really um, it really makes you aware of kind of relaxing you, your muscles. And sometimes I drift off and yeah, it's nice. It's nice. So I've been tuning into a lot of YouTube stuff uh, in my onesie and just like, tuning yeah. down um but yeah i have a lot of, of creative energy as well and that doesn't help yeah. like you you're probably kind of person who's thinking about oh i must interview this person i must do that and sometimes it can be good but if you're the kind of person like me where you're already in a like it only magnifies some of that nervous energy so i kind of yeah bring out the electric blue onesie that's what i say <laughs> but there's different levels of of relaxation and there's just like there's different levels of awareness like I'm always you know my mind is always going going so my way of relaxing I mean I could never what do you do 
I, I, there's loads of different things I could do uh, that I do do, not necessarily to relax, but to stop me being so active. Because yeah. I couldn't lay next to a, a swimming pool in Spain or lay oh, on the right. beach. That would do my fucking could head. Could you in. not do that? I, oh, can't, right. I have to be doing something all of the time. But again, oh, to relax, it would be, you know, like what you've just said, I might put on some some music, a bit of Pink Floyd or, you know, something like that. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, like yeah. That Just yeah. to take you out of your situation. The wormhole, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It can actually be like, like yeah. You go on to look at the Sex Pistols video and then you end up watching a documentary about Mongolian mating habits before and you're like, how did I get it? But you're right. It's quite, it actually distracts you, doesn't it? Yeah. The YouTube wormholes, wormholes can really distract you from what's going on. And you think, yeah. what time is it? So, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of similar, yeah. But I can, when I'm on holiday, I do get into reading. And it's one of the times where I sleep a bit better as well, I think. And I, I kind of switch off. So, um, But it can be hard, can't it, to just really... Because we've got our phones with us and it's all linked in with work. That's the and thing, ideas. isn't it? The fucking phone. Get rid of that for. I know. Put it aside for a few hours, and you really throw it into benefit. that swimming pool. That's what I say. It, but it, we need it. You know, talking about phones, we like we're saying about losing. When I was saying about, I haven't really explained it well, but when we're talking about losing, getting out of touch with more and more natural rhythms and things. I do worry with kids because I was, and you were probably similar, you know, from a background where we made a lot of things because we didn't have money. Definitely. Definitely. And there was a lot of, when you asked about creativity, I, I even forget about that because it, it's such a fundamental part of, of our um, childhood, making yeah. go-karts and, you know, kind of um, just making all sorts of bizarre things. And, and, and it really is one of the things... It's not so much directly with nature, but it's one of the things that I think upsets me with the idea of young people or children or teenagers, that they've lost that kind of tactile thing yeah. where, you know, things could be a bit hands, whether it was making a guy, forgot, you know, guy forks and things. I think they're so, so enjoyable, but I probably sound like a real old bastard. Well, no, it's, it's the, the, the phones for the kids is, is the easy way to stop boredom. But the, yeah. the trouble with that is when they haven't got their phone, they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And when lockdown hit, I didn't want my kids being in their room, yeah. you know, like doing a prison sentence, you know, sort of like yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. in their room. So we ended up like reconfiguring our back garden with a path going down the middle. We'd always wanted to move the path to the side. So we said, right, yeah. perfect. The world this has is the come to a standstill. Yeah. And all of us, you know, while me, me other half was at home, she was she was working from home. So yeah. me and the kids went out there, pulled up all these fucking paving bricks and over the course yeah. of a week or so moved the, the path. And the first couple of hours, it was, you know, it was torture for them. It you was know. hell on earth. For but them, at yeah. the end of it, they are so proud. Even when they go out in the garden, they, they've got a smile on their face because it's yeah, a, yeah. an achievement. They can see what they've yeah. achieved rather than just using their fucking thumbs, you know. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a good project. It's part of the home. It involves them, you know, they get some benefit from it. Yeah, it's, um, I just wish there was, I don't know, because I haven't got kids, uh, but I do see, you know, the kids I see around, I do, it does weary me. But then again, adults as well, there's, you know, I've been threatening at the dinner table, you know, I've been threatening to put a sign up in a very, Unsubtle way, keep your fucking phone away from the dinner table. 
because it really bugs me especially when people come to stay and and you have some wine and you chat it comes back to that sitting around the campfire you yeah. know you would sit around and whatever drink you know mead or whatever and tell stories and uh, and, and i think that it uh, or, or whatever you know they might sing but in our case you know that related stories and memories and ideas and chatting but it's such a shame that, that that's um eroded a little bit you know well, with the phones so as a family we refuse to have phones at the dinner table you do that good yeah while there's plates on the table the phones yeah. aren't aren't there you know yeah yeah i think it's it's a good thing yeah because it's funny you just reminded me really i'm talking about real obvious working class things but my mum when we were a kid really was opposed to us we'd have to sit at the table and she was really opposed to us having the TV on. And um, and I've never really thought about that. You've just reminded me of something where I guess the, the general kind of ethos was that almost like French approach to like middle-class French life where you drink wine and over kids with elder family and you converse and you have a nice time. So I think there was a little bit of that in play there. People, you know, mum was trying to, have us all together at the meal table and, and focus on on yeah. being a family but it's quite sad you know that that is is going but um i don't know i mean without coming across as a real fascist dictator i mean what do you do about it but like i said i don't mind if people say like if somebody's got a family member who's ill in hospital and they just say look i've, I've got to check my phone because and i don't really mind but when people start playing on fucking facebook when you're serving a meal yeah. somebody's spent like four hours but it does make me wonder with young people because i haven't got kids i don't know i mean it'd be it makes me wonder how how much it's changed conversation i'm not talking about being you know yeah, yeah. Um, i'm not saying 12 year olds are on tinder what i meant is the old yeah, you know no, the no, 18 no. um how they're meeting people and girlfriends and boyfriends but it does make me wonder how it's really affected our conversation kind of skills in a way it's a bit yeah. worrying but it's it's yeah. probably going to be no different from the generation above us who were, you know, moaning about the way that, that we done it. And then yeah. we're moaning about them. No doubt they're going to be Yeah, moaning. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to say, oh, when I was a kid, all I had to play with was me Xbox and me phone. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I only had one phone, one phone <laughs> at the meal table. You're lucky you've got it impregnated into your head. You've got it all built into phone. your skull. You don't know you're bored. Yeah, it's true, but <laughs> it's... Um, yeah it's quite easy to it's funny actually talking about um donald trump and those kind of people it's funny when you know because being into punk i loved all the kind of sex pistol stuff but it's funny when you see people like john lydon and people of that age group and they don't realize they've totally fallen into the trap you can yeah. they win john and they, they become really reactionary and moaning about how it's not proper music but they, they just can't they have no perspective on what they're saying. They've become the person they moaned about. Yeah, yeah, they just can't see that they've turned into everything that they said they weren't going to be, and it probably fits in with... When when he'd done a, um, a, a butter advert. Oh, the butter thing, yeah, but yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird in a way. I mean, I didn't get his free take, because he's... He was hardly kind of, like, off-the-grid vegan anarchist. He, he wasn't, like, crass or anything, but... I think a lot more people were freaked out. I mean, it was funny yesterday in the studio, I was listening to Public Image Limited live at um, Brixton Academy. It was It was like a really long set. It, it's on Spotify. 
And in between one of the songs, he said, oh, and, and next year's toy will be sponsored by, oh, either Alpen or something. Because <laughs> what I've read is that, you know, he'd really used the money to get public image back yeah, on the road yeah. and that. And I kind of, I don't really mind that in a way. It was a bit like when bands like Chumbawamba in the 80s, and then they did that whole, I get knocked down, I get up again. And it just went massive. It was like number two, you know, in America, you know, one minute you're seeing them with lots of punks, you know, in some village hall in Preston. Yeah. And the next minute they're on top of the pops. But it was similar to them. They said, well, we took loads of money, but we did we gave yeah. it to an anarchist well, group in, in Italy. We get, and in a way, I, I kind of like that practical side. But I know what you mean. It is kind of... Um, but, but even him doing the, the anchor advert is kind of punk anyway, because it's going against what people expect of Well, him. exactly, yeah. There so is, it's like an yeah, anti-punk, exactly. anti isn't it? Yeah, where it all goes full circle. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't get too upset by it, but, you know, sometimes it's like me, people have asked me about, um, you know, more corporate things, but I try not to get involved with some of the nasty companies because I don't, but I, I, it has happened. And I've took the money and I've ran kind of thing. Um, you have to do it sometimes. It's not a perfect world. And I you have funny, to... Bell, but pride don't put bread and butter on the table, does it? You exactly, know? exactly. So sometimes you've just got to balance things out a little yeah. bit. And uh, haven't you, Maisie? Maisie knows. <laughs> She's an anarchist. Look okay, at that okay. tail. I'm going to dye it pink when I get off. <laughs> if, there, if there was you and five other artists, like past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, um, I'd probably have somebody like Constable or Turner. I'd have a really kind of established traditional landscape painter. Um, I really like to paint a painter who really inspired me to paint around, you know, before my mum died. Don't do that, sweetheart. Um, she's going to climb up the tripod. Uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, probably there's a Peter called a painter called Peter Howson. Oh, uh, from Glasgow. Peter he wrote to me when I was in jail. Oh, did he? Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because lots of lots of troubles himself. Yes, exactly. You know, you can. Yeah. Oh, good. No, I'm giving you a a high five there. Um. Yeah. So Peter, I mean, again, when I was transitioning from being an up-and-coming graphic designer, designer of those timetables or something. I saw Peter's work and he really, really inspired me and some of the ideas and that. So I think Peter would be in it because he really helped me get back on track with my painting. And I've actually got two. I've got two. I've got one that Peter gave me and I've got another one over there um, that I bought when I was in Glasgow. And um, I just stumbled across a shop, a mate of his, sold um, smaller pastels for charity, for homeless charities. So I bought one when I was up there, but then I did a, a portrait of Peter as well, which oh, is nice. Sort of, and we did like a swap. So it made wow. really, yeah, they're like pride and joy. I sometimes pinch myself when I look at my Peter house, you know, because he was such an inspiration. So Peter would have to go in. Um, who else would go? I mean, somebody probably... Yeah, I really like Lucy and Floyd. I think Lucy and Floyd would go in those big unapolog unapologetic slabs of flesh and um, he would have to go in. Where are we up to? Number three. Um, I don't know who else would go in. Um, 
I like an artist, Adrian Gini, a current guy from the last, do you know his work? No. I think he's from, where's, is he from Hungary? I think, do you know Adrian Gini's work? No. Yeah, he's um, take a look. Eastern European painter. Yeah, I really like his stuff. Um, yeah, um, I don't know, I'm a bit old, I'm a bit like music. I've started to realise people ask me my favourite painters are and I feel like I'm stuck in a bit of a, that's never a bad place to be. Yeah, it's nice when you can move forward, though, as well. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I tend to like pieces by individual artists, you know, because a lot of it with me is stuff that inspires you back. Yeah. Hopefully I do a piece that inspires me to paint, but, you know, sometimes it comes from an individual piece by one artist. And, um, you know, because I love that lineage of Freud and Jenny Savile and, and Francis Bacon. I kind of love some of that. But when I was younger, I liked a lot of German expressionist stuff, and there were people like Jörg Immendorf, and there was all kinds of a mix of contemporary German people and Peter Harrison. There was another painter as well, Ken Curry, do you remember? Have you yeah, heard of Ken Scottish Curry? as well. Very dark, ghostly. Yeah, yeah. And quite yeah. scary. Yeah, they were, and they got even, because when I saw him in Glasgow at... Um, Oh, is it the class? I can't remember the name of the venue, but they've got this circular piece, you know, this mural. But it's kind of got darker and darker, but he's an artist that's been overlooked a little bit, hasn't he? But, you know, a lot of those European painters, like, oh, fuck five, let's have 15. Of them. <laughs> exactly, you can't narrow it down. We could double hang them just to, yeah. to get everybody in. <laughs> but when I sort of fell in love with art and thought I, I'd like to be an artist, I did think yeah. to myself, no one like me is an artist. Yeah. It's only posh, white, middle-class people, you know. Yeah. And then I saw an artist called Ray Richardson. Oh, I love Ray's work. Same again, high five. Yeah, Ray's, exactly. yeah, uh, yeah. I saw Ray on a programme, and this was at the very, very early days when I yeah. just fell in love with art. I, and I heard him, I saw his artwork first on this programme, and then he started talking, and he spoke like me. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. fucking hell. He's on telly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it can work. Yeah, good. See, that's what I love. The stories like that with bricks, all those silly kind of flowery boundaries a little bit. But yeah, Ray, Ray's work was really good. I mean, well, I met Pete him. Were I very similar. Shows probably in the early 90s, yeah. They're um, very similar, him and Peter, because they're quite grotesque figures. The yeah. hands are, are, are large hands and no. Yeah, it was like caricature, wasn't it? Those, very much so. You know, and I love that. I love that kind of over-the-top kind of... It's, like, quite theatrical as well. But Ray's stuff was really good. I haven't seen his recent stuff, but I've still actually got quite a lot yeah, of his own catalogs. Oh. Can you see that little one? Oh, oh yeah, I can see it. Yeah, go and get it. Let's have a look. Hold on, just one Let's have a look at Ray's piece. And um, this was, like, a little study he done. Brilliant. Just beforehand. Try to, try to place the definite. Yeah. If I'd, have, if, I'd have known, if I'd have known we were going to be pulling pictures, I'd have, I'd have ran over and got my hastings. We could have got really competitive, started waving pictures. <laughs> well, fucking My hastings bigger than yours. Yeah, but Ray's work, I still love. Because um, there was a guy um, who used to own Atlantis. Um, he yeah. still does, more. Yeah. I've not I've known him on and off from going in the store, but I've worked a little bit with the store. And he bought quite a lot of Ray's early stuff, and he's got some really lovely 
beautiful, big, he juicy canvas anymore, does he? They used to be hanging up in the on the walls, didn't they? Yeah, but they're not. He's there got anymore, them in his office. They? Yeah, he's the, the last time I saw him, he had him in his office, and we were, were going around chatting. But there's some lovely pieces. They were amazing. But it was lovely experience because you, when I first saw them, they were on that brick lane. It was like part of a Truman brewery in the yes, early nineties. And they'd have lots of Ray Richardsons and Peter Harrisons. And then there were like three coffee, like American, what I considered American coffee. I've never had yeah. coffee like that. So it seemed really glamorous. You know, you, you'd go in and buy a small tube of paint. I wasn't shoplifting, by the way. <laughs> I'd buy a, a small tube of paint and then it'd be like American coffee and Peter Harrison. And Ray. So it was like you died and gone to heaven. So it was really, just going to the art shop was really inspiring for me because you could see original paintings by some of these guys. And, um, yeah, oh, we're on the same track anyway, that well, love of that kind of If you have a look at work, um, you'll see he's got one, he's got one painting of a, of a big guy in a boat. And he, oh. it's a rowing boat, but the boat's on land. Oh, right. With Brexit, and he's got like an England top on, you know. That's me. Is that um, you? Yeah. Where, where can I see this? Um, it, it'll be on his Instagram page. Yeah. On there. I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you. The yeah, yeah. That, I um, love that though. I love those kind of. Yeah, when you peeped off camera there, I, it it really captured for me because of because the camera's got that cinematic yeah. kind of widespread. It really reminded me of that very kind of cinematic feel that Ray captured. And it really kind of added mystery, didn't it? Because exactly. they'd, they'd look like movie stills yeah. um, and they'd really make you think, I mean, what's going on? Who's on the telephone? And yeah, who's the waiter? Kind of, exactly. You're more interested you know, in what you're not seeing than what you are. You remind, I need to have a bit of a Ray Richardson, as they say in America, renaissance, <laughs> you know, a bit of a renaissance and go back. But I've still got quite a lot of, the early catalogues and things that I used to follow the shows and things. So I should, yeah, yeah. But nice work. What do you reckon you'd like to be, Dale, if you wasn't an artist? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't really know, really. I mean, I love animals. I like, you know, I like being around animals. Um, you know, but I don't know if, I don't, I'd end up strangling them probably. I've had to clean them out kind of every day. It's a really tough question. I can't really answer it. I like the idea that I kind of do some big, grand, almighty kind of be part of some grand, almighty cause to help people or animals. But I don't know. I'd probably, I don't know, end up working in Tesco's or something. I don't really know. Whoa, where did you come from? That's the boy cat. Um, I don't really know. It's really hard because. It's been part of my life for so long. It's hard to... I mean, the only thing I was really interested in was, you know, was the music. And I did music and stuff. And um, in the early days, more punky stuff. And then I was, you know, the, the more electronic stuff. So I was writing some drum and bass and doing the electric stuff and was involved in, in that. So maybe if it wasn't the painting, it would maybe be something a bit more creative. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it'd have to involve being creative, like you. You know, you have to, you have to satisfy that creative urge um, that's that's going on, you know, in your head. So 
but yeah, to do something normal, I think, would be quite scary for me. And uh -huh. um, so, um, how can people see your work, Bell, from um, website or Instagram, social media? If they send me the credit card details on the expiry date, <laughs> I send them a nice painting. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've got my website. I'm on Instagram, Dale underscore um, Grimshaw. I've got the website, dalegrimshaw.com, which isn't terribly up to date. But if you just want to get an idea of what I'm up to, you know, what I've been up to, that's a good way. But mainly, yeah, Instagram and, and my website. I don't kind of get too involved in Twitter and, and things like that. Um, there's only so many websites I can visit and kind of update and I get a bit fed up with it all, to be honest. I do, you know, I'm a painter. I just want to paint, really, at the end of the day. But um, also, yeah, so um, you can see the work there. So, um, yeah. And I've got a show on at the minute as well, um, which I forgot about. Assembly of the Gods, which is on um, Well Hung Gallery oh. um, in Hoxton. It's on for the next two weeks. So it's closed. I think the gallery's closed Sunday and Mondays, but it's open Tuesday to Saturday. So it's Well Hung Gallery. And um, so, yeah, there's a pretty amazing show on there, and I don't mind saying so myself. <laughs> so uh, get your little self along. Um, Actually, I'm going to be there. Funny enough, I'm going to be... Um, there's a few people coming down. I'm going to give a little talk. There's only about eight people. There might be some more, but around about eight. So on Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to be down and um, at about 1.15. So I'll probably talk about the work. And, um, yeah, it's a college group. It's the... I think, is it the Mornington Crescent Working Men's College? Oh, Do you know about one near more? It's a really old college and they still do a lot of like, adult courses like wood cutting and things we were talking about so it's, I did a, a bit of a talk there a couple of years ago so it's some of the people from the adult course who were kind of trotting along so and I really like that idea so it'd be nice so I'm gonna uh, yeah I'm gonna peel out of my electric blue onesie and I'm gonna get myself down there and uh, <laughs> tell them what's what. I'm mm -hmm. quite sure this won't be out well, the show's still on. Yeah, yeah. I've already got a few lined up, you know. Um, yeah, no, no worries about it, yeah. But, yeah, but get down. I mean, get down and have a look at the show. Yeah, it's it's good. I'll definitely go and have a look. I've just written down the, the dates and times. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's closed Sunday and Monday, but yeah. Yeah, well, if you tell if you tell them you know me, they might give you a free glass of water or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, mate. <laughs> well, that's, so, uh, yeah, that's all my questions are. So thank you very much for your time. Oh, mate. you're welcome. Yeah. All right. See you later. Thank you, mate. Bye bye. I don't know how. Leave. I'll leave I'm gonna press the leave button. Oh, how about that, Mr. Dale Grimshaw? Again, I know I say it often, but another artist that I didn't know, and after a couple of minutes, it felt like I'd known him for years. If you've not seen Dale's portraits, go and spend a little time on Google, or better still, his Instagram page. They're things of absolute beauty. Well, I'm going to leave it nice and short on the outro. Again, I'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas, and I hope it doesn't sound patronising. But us not being able to mix with other people from outside of our household could have an adverse effect on people over Christmas. 
And if because of that you're having to spend it on your own and you're feeling a bit poxed off, you can always use social media for what it's intended for, to be social. There's a million people on there at any one time who fancy having a chat, I know. We're back again next week with an artist who's relatively new to the art world. And believe me, before you buy any of her artwork, you're better off reading the small print. That's all I'll say on that matter. But like I mention every week, on whichever platform you're able to listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really would help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. So, thanks for listening, Merry Christmas, and until next week, ta-da! deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.